Black Christian News Network One podcast. Here are the top stories you need to know about today. According to the New York Post, the smirking madman who turned a rush hour commute into a bloody terror when he opened fire in a crowded New York subway car called Crime Stoppers on himself Wednesday morning, then calmly went for an afternoon stroll through the East Village while he waited for police to come get him. A call came into Crime Stoppers. The guy says, you know I think you're looking for me. I'm seeing my picture all over the news and I'll be around this McDonald's. I want to clear things up. Law enforcement sources told the post of the bizarre moment Frank James called cops on himself. So the unit responds and he's not at the McDonald's. So they start driving around and see a man who fits the description. When they take him into custody, they find his Wisconsin driver's license. A couple of eagle-eyed New Yorkers also flagged down a pair of cops after they spotted James sauntering through the East Village where he briefly sat down at an outdoor dining shed and charged his phone at a Link NYC hub. The New York Police Department swooped in shortly after and put him into handcuffs. I'm Frank, I'm the person you're looking for. I'm surprised it took you so long, James told police as they arrested him, police sources said. Mohammed Chick, who alerted police and witnessed the arrest, said James appeared calm and unfazed. He didn't fight. He didn't do anything. He totally surrendered, said Chick. Federal prosecutors wasted no time charging James, 62, with terror-related offenses for firing in 33 rounds on a Manhattan-bound end train Tuesday morning, leaving 10 people with gunshot wounds and another 19 injured in a mass shooting that shocked an already rattled city that's been reeling from a citywide crime surge. They hit him with a charge of committing terrorist attacks and other violence against mass transportation systems, which could send him to prison for life if he's convicted. Daryl Gilliard, who admitted to molesting two girls and was sentenced to three years in prison in 2009, is still a pastor at Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And you wonder why God's people in the world are still in the coronavirus plague and facing World War III. It's because of insanity like this. According to News for Jax, a man who once served time in prison for six crimes has become the new pastor of Mount Ararat Baptist Church in Jacksonville and some said they are concerned that he's leading the congregation. The Reverend Darrell Gilliard admitted to molesting two girls and was sentenced to three years in prison in 2009, followed by probation. He's currently a registered sex offender in the state of Florida. Lynn Jones, an editor for the Jacksonville Free Press, said she received calls of concern about Gilliard being installed. Our phones were ringing off the hook, Jones said. Members of Mount Ararat, they were totally upset, and a lot of them are our subscribers. When he left prison in 2012, Gilliard first began preaching at Christ Missionary Tabernacle Baptist Church, which also made some upset. After Gilliard became the new lead pastor at Mount Ararat Baptist Church, 
Some people posted their concerns on the church's Facebook page. Tiffany Thigpen Kilgannon, who said she was a victim, wrote in short, God doesn't need predators in the pulpit, no matter how great a speaker or the truth of God's word being spoken. She continued, Please keep your young girls and ladies safe. It is a painful thing to recover from. Give them the gift of safety. Video posted with an investigative report by the Houston Chronicle shows Gilliard apologizing for misconduct but doesn't give any other details. He was not charged in cases in the Southwest. I stand before you tonight a broken man to confess that in the past I have sinned against God, against my family, and before you, Gilliard is heard saying. There were other accusations in Texas and Oklahoma, but Gilliard was not arrested. Although Gilliard is a registered sex offender, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement told News 4 Jacks that Gilliard is not on probation and can work wherever he wants to. The church is across from Stanton College Preparatory School, but Gilliard is not in violation of any laws by having a job near a school. According to the Associated Press, pastors have filed at least three federal lawsuits in recent weeks against the African Methodist Episcopal Church, along with several subsidiaries and financial firms the church used, alleging tens of millions of dollars from a pension fund were mismanaged and missing. The retired and current pastors in Florida, Maryland, and Virginia filed the lawsuits against the oldest, historically black denomination in the U.S., late last month. They're seeking class action status on behalf of thousands of other AME pastors and church officials throughout the country who lost money through the pension fund. The pastors who were required to participate in the retirement plan said they have been unable to get access to their money. The lawsuit filed by the Florida pastor, the Reverend Charles Jackson in Orlando, alleges the church and its related financial institutions were negligent and breached their fiduciary responsibilities. Jackson is seeking a jury trial and punitive damages in the complaint filed in federal court in Tennessee. Many class members, including plaintiff Reverend Jackson, are retired and have suddenly learned that resources they relied on to support themselves, to depend on in times of bad health, and to simply enjoy during retirement have been stolen from them by people they trusted, the lawsuit said. In their lawsuit filed in Virginia, the Reverends Daryl Wade and Reuben Boyd alleged that between $80, or rather $80 million, and $90 million was unaccounted for by either 2020 or 2021. In his lawsuit, the Reverend Cedric Alexander of Bowie, Maryland, said the then chair of the church's retirement fund invested money in undeveloped land in Florida and a now-defunct capital venture outfit and gave a promissory note to an installer of solar panels. The lawsuit alleges violations of a federal law protecting employee retirement funds. The church's retirement fund chair invested plan assets in imprudent, extraordinarily risky investments that ultimately lost nearly $100 million of plan participants' retirement savings, the Maryland lawsuit said. 
In a statement Tuesday, the church said it was limited in what it could say because of the litigation, but noted that it had resumed some distributions to fund participants starting last month. According to the Associated Press, police in Miami have arrested a 41-year-old woman in the deaths of her two young children after officers responded to repeated hang-up 911 calls from her apartment where they found their tied-up bodies. Come get them, I don't want them anymore, Odette Lisey-Josaint told officers who responded to the scene on Tuesday night, according to the arrest report. Police said she appeared to be irrational. The officers entered the apartment and found a three-year-old boy and a five-year-old girl. The children were laying in a prone position on the bed with their arms, legs, and neck tied, a police report said. They tried to resuscitate the children until a Miami fire rescue crew arrived and pronounced them dead. Authorities have not released information on how they were killed, but the woman has been charged with two counts of murder. It is not yet clear how many calls were made to 911 or whether she spoke to a dispatcher. Miami police spokesperson Michael Vega said the father was not living there at the time, but said there had been at least four calls made to the address in the past year over domestic violence, trespassing, and disturbance. None of the incidents involved the children, and no arrests were made, Vega said. According to Faith Wire, Famed football coach Tony Dungy is hidden back after critics lambasted his appearance Monday alongside Florida Governor Ron DeSantis at a signing event for HB 7065, a bill aimed at bolstering fatherhood. Dungy, who helped found All Pro Dad, an organization that supports fatherhood, said, despite the harsh critique, he will continue to support fathers and families and will continue serving the Lord. The bill at the center of the Dungy angst, signed Monday by DeSantis, empowers Florida's Department of Children and Families to provide grants to nonprofits that focus on helping equip fathers to be more engaged with their children. The massive effort will purportedly dole out $70 million to these charities. Recipients will include mentorship opportunities for at-risk kids and groups aimed at helping dads make good on child support responsibilities, among other efforts. Any dad who may not be engaged will want to be able to support, DeSantis said during the signing event Dungy attended. We've got programs, we've got community groups, we've got nonprofits. You're not a man by leaving your kids hung out to dry. You need to be there. The effort might, at first sight, seem relatively uncontroversial, but it didn't take long for some to make it political and try to bully Dungy with online criticism. Dungy responded to the controversial, or rather Dungy responded to the controversy by noting something quite intriguing. While some dismissed his comments on fatherhood, he dropped a tweet reminding everyone that former President Barack Obama once made similar proclamations. Two days ago, I spoke on behalf of a Florida bill that supports dads and families, and it offended some people, Dungy tweeted. Fourteen years ago, President Obama said the same things almost verbatim. He continued, I'm assuming people were outraged at him too. I am serving the Lord, 
so I'll keep supporting dads and families. According to the New York Times, the police in Grand Rapids, Michigan, released videos on Wednesday showing a white officer fatally shooting Patrick Layola, a 26-year-old black man, after a struggle during a traffic stop last week. The officer, who has not been named, was lying on the back of Mr. Leola before he appeared to shoot him in the head. In the seconds before the shooting, Mr. Leola and the officer wrestled on the ground and seemed to be fighting for control of the officer's taser. When I saw the video, it was painful to watch, Mark Washington, the Grand Rapids city manager, said, and I immediately asked, what caused this to happen, and what more could have been done to prevent this from occurring? Even before the release of the footage, the case exposed long-standing tensions in Grand Rapids, a city of about 200,000 people, where 18% of residents are black. Activists aired their frustration and grief on Tuesday night during a city commission meeting, speaking for hours about what they described as years of inaction on policing issues by Grand Rapids leaders, and then protested through the evening on Wednesday after the videos were released. The investigation into the officer's actions was ongoing, officials said on Wednesday, and no charging decision had been made. Chief Eric Winstrom of the Grand Rapids Police said he was not aware of any weapons other than the officer's gun and taser being found at the scene. Police body camera video shows the officer telling Mr. Leoya that he is pulling him over because his license plates do not match his car. In Grand Rapids, officials said that the police officer who fired the fatal shot joined the department in 2015. Mr. Leoya immigrated to the United States from the Democratic Republic of Congo in 2014 and had lived in Grand Rapids for about five years, according to the office of Ben Crump, a lawyer for the family. The video clearly shows that this was an unnecessary, excessive, and fatal use of force against an unarmed black man who was confused by the encounter and terrified for his life, Mr. Crump said. He called for the officer to be fired and prosecuted. According to Deadline, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, the Amir Questlove Thompson directed film that won the Oscar and the Grammy for documenting 1969's now famed Harlem Cultural Festival has inspired a reboot of the landmark music event. Ambassador Digital Magazine editor in chief Musa Jackson, who attended the 1969 event and appeared in Summer of Soul, said Tuesday that he, BNP advisor group strategist Nicole Evans, and event producer and Captivate Marketing Group President Yvonne McNair are teaming to launch the Harlem Festival of Culture in the summer of 2023. <coughs> the multi-day outdoor event will be a reimagining of the 1969 fest and will take place in Harlem's Marcus Garvey Park where the original took place when it was known as Mount Morris Park. Official dates have not yet been announced. Organizers told Billboard that a series of events leading up to the HFC kicks off Friday with an open mic night at the Museum of the City of New York to pay tribute to the 25th anniversary of the film Love Jones. Other musical events are planned 
throughout the year featuring contemporary R&B, soul, hip-hop, gospel, jazz, reggae, and Latin artists, along with community events and panel discussions. You can read these stories and more at blackchristiannews.com. In closing, remember, God loves you. He always has and He always will. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today's a good day to get to know Him. Just believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose from the dead for you. Pray and ask Him to come into your heart, and He will. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you so much for listening, and may God bless your day.